This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my vivacious zest for life co-host, Brie Tucker. <laughs> okay. Hello. Hello, everybody. How are you? Dang it, man. You're getting good with no, these. No, I'm trying to reprogram now. Okay. <laughs> no, because our lot. So if you heard last week's episode, it was episode 57 about the duct tape parenting. We talked about how these behaviors from childhood and how we are labeled really affects our inner monologue. And you said you were labeled as the loud one. Yes. And so I was like, I don't see it as loud. I see it as like zest for life, like bringing the energy. So now I'm like trying to re like <laughs> trying to reprogram. Okay. Well, then I need to do the same for you because again, Leadership. Leadership. <laughs> not bossy. Not leader. Bossy. Nope. And understanding. Not and know it all. No. Leader. Leader. <laughs> not at all. Again, isn't it funny? Like, how many of you guys have a friend that tells you, like, they were told something as a child and yeah. you just stare at them and you're like, I don't see that. No. Right? But our inner monologue really, like, it really, really messes with us. It's funny. I'm reading a, a great book right now. It is called Think Again by Adam Grant. And Adam Grant was the same guy who did originals and uh, he's done so many great things. But anyways, it's about how like we need to go back and reexamine our thinking about things to promote real change. It's amazing. The thing that the last chapter I was listening to, because I do it through Audible, and I did it grocery shopping last night because <laughs> my, my husband like, so he he built a shelf because our Wi-Fi moved last night, which I told you. Mm -hmm. And then he lifted in the garage and like literally he was looking like one of those Western cowboys who just got off a horse and like ambling around and he just could not do the grocery <laughs> shopping at night. <laughs> So I went, I put in my AirPods and I was just listening to my audiobook. But the thing that uh, they were talking about was imposter syndrome. 
And have you heard of imposter syndrome? Yes, I have. Imposter syndrome is a very, very, very naughty, naughty thing. Well, that's that's what he was re-examining. Like, is imposter syndrome really a naughty thing? Really? How is it not? So what they saw is that people who have imposter syndrome tend to make less kind of like mistakes in the long run because they do doubt their own thinking and they do doubt what they know and their abilities. So they're better able to recognize situations where something might not be right and they have to like re-examine how they look at things. Now, it's an extreme, it's a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So like a little bit of imposter syndrome is good because while you are like doing something like he talked about medical students just entering the hospital and those who had like more mistakes were the ones who thought they were really overly confident. And the ones who didn't have as many mistakes were the ones who felt like they had no no right to be there. <laughs> they felt like imposters. So it caused them to examine every single thing they did. You should see the look I'm giving Joanne while she's yeah, talking. Yeah, you're very quizzical. I'm giving her very much the whole, mm, I don't know what I think about that. Like, I, I do agree. Like, if you're not feeling 100% confident in what you're doing, mm-hmm. which is what the imposter syndrome tends to be, it's it's that who am I to give this advice? Who am I to do this job? Mm-hmm. Who am I to say I know this skill? And I feel like it's a very dangerous, slippery slope, though. I, I mean, I, I understand what he's saying. Like, yeah, yeah, I get somebody to be more cautious. I mean, you don't want someone who's arrogant and flippant and just yes. it, it is and, careless because they're like, oh, I know everything. Because mm-hmm. we also know, all know that in our in our life, right? We all know someone that's like, oh, I know everything. And you're just constantly like, oh, God, what's going to happen now? Cause... Well, he, he said like, so too much imposter syndrome, the one that prevents you from actually doing right. stuff and putting stuff out there. Yeah, that is definitely a hindrance. But a little bit but of it. But a little bit bad. of it. And he calls the little bit of it a uh, confident humility. So like, okay, I you, can get behind that. You know that you don't know everything and you're willing to examine that, but it's not going to stop you from moving forward. So to oversimplify it, because this is how Bree's brain works, she oversimplifies mm-hmm. everything in this little noggin of mine. I would say he's talking about moderation, everything in moderation. Everything in moderation, I but the like confident humility. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I like that. And I have no idea how we got on that tangent, but you should really go read that book if you're interested in the subject. Think we will again. put it in the show notes. <laughs> but Adam Grant. Oh, he'd be good as a guest. Adam Grant. Okay, I'll add him to my list. Oh, my gosh. Adam, I would listening. love to talk to him. <laughs> um, today, we are going to dig in into how to get kids to focus and plan for long-term projects. Oh, my goodness. And if you've ever had your child bring home a book report or a science fair project, yeah, this one's for you. <laughs> or even just had like, okay, let's even just talk about figuring out something to do with, oh, I don't know, the six, seven weeks of summer break. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And getting them to do their own thing. Yeah. 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 And, and that all is tied up into the same thing about being able to figure things out. Yep. So we hope you enjoy today's show. We are brought to you today by the Drama-Free Homework Checklist. And if you, if like virtual learning is drama-filled or if like your kids are going to in-person school and they're bringing home homework and just getting them to sit down and do it is a like hassle you need to get our free checklist you can get it at www.noguiltmom.com backslash dfh dash checklist and let's get on with the show you want mom life to be easier that's our goal too Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step 
Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Okay, let's talk about these long-term projects. Bree, can you remember like a time when you were a kid or any time in your life where you had one of these projects and it just became so overwhelming? Oh, yes. Well, and I'll just say in general, even as an adult, whenever I have like a long-term project, I, I like to um, just <clears throat> pretend like it doesn't exist. I, you have no idea what I'm talking about, right? Like, because I don't, I don't procrastinate <laughs> at work ever, right? And try to put things off to the last I minute. I don't think you do. Okay. As, as we're <laughs> saying this, like Bree's like, we need to record two episodes today. So we have them for the next like, so I don't think you do. <laughs> I do procrastinate though on things that I don't want to do. Yeah. And I would say that. Most kids don't want to don't want to do these projects, right? Because yeah. let's be honest, for your typical average child, a book report ain't fun. No. And a science project, hmm, no, not really cool. Like I don't my, think I think they're fun right I now. I will either. say this though, my daughter has found a way to find fun in her science projects. Mm-hmm. Every year she makes something about eating a something with candy. <laughs> Last year, it was which which Skittle d- dissolves in what kind of material first. And she, I, at some point, I remember her saying like, ha ha, like, laughing at me. And I'm like, what? She's like, I got you to buy me a big bag of Skittles. And I'm like, oh, what? And then this year, it was on whether or not vision has an effect on taste. And she picked Skittles again. again. <laughs> She's just like, how can I get the Skittles? Yes. How can I get the Skittles? Writing the report, doing the rest of the whole thing. Like that was like pulling teeth to get that happening. But uh, yeah, so I would definitely say science projects and, and anything where you don't like doing something. It's just it's it's a pain. It is a pain. And it can be overwhelming. Yes. And a lot of us don't have those skills innately. None of us have those skills innately to plan for a long term project, nor were we actually taught them, which like I remember when I was in seventh grade, we had this book of poems due in my language arts class. And like it was one of those things where you had to write like a quatrain and a sinquain and a haiku and like all of the poems and then you had to bind it and have a nice looking cover (laughs) the day before it was due I still didn't have anything done like anything oh my gosh and so that night I, I quickly typed up some poems and I found a piece of cardboard and I covered it with black paper and I took silver duct tape because that's all we had in the house because of course because it was the night before it was the night before and I duct taped that book it was the ugliest book Ever. Like, and I was not proud of it at all, but I felt like so down on myself after. I'm like, oh, I'm just so like lazy and I don't know how to plan ahead. And what happened when you got into class too, like with the books? Oh my gosh. Like the other <laughs> books look so amazing and so wonderful. And like you just compare yourself and you're like, I'm just, I suck. <laughs> But it's like, it's hard, though, because I didn't suck. I just had no long term planning skills. And right. the skills are something you can learn and you can get better at. Well, I feel like a big issue with that, too, is I mean, hands up on this, guys, out in podcast land. But like, how many of you have tried to talk to your kids about time? Oh and they God. just have no freaking concept. They don't. Right? Like to the toddler where you say like, we're going to have dinner in five minutes, or we're gonna have dinner in 30 minutes. They don't get it. And 
right at all the way up to like your elementary schooler or your middle schooler. Like I'm dealing with that with my tweens. Like whenever I say something is okay, well, you know, your science project. Mm-hmm. When is that? When's the report due? Oh, I don't know. Like, like on the 23rd. I'm like, all right, well, that's a week away. That's a long time. I'm like, uh, do I need to point out to you that you have volleyball practice and we have this and we have that and this night you're cooking dinner and this night I'm working. So that means I'm not going to be able to help you. Mm-hmm. So just going through that timeline with them and they still stare at you back. You get the blank eyes back. And oh, no, parents- still a week away. And as parents, sometimes like we take on a lot of the responsibility ourselves when the kids are in that situation. And that's not good for them either. Right. Because then they're not learning anything. They're not learning it. I remember I had a science project. Uh, It was to create a Rube Goldberg machine. I waited till the last minute. My dad basically did that entire science project for (laughs) me. Like I was just sitting there and he's like, what if we do this and this? And I'm like, sounds good. (laughs) How many times have you also like, let's think back to your childhood. How many times were you saved by your parents too on some rando project, right? Totally. It's rough. It's rough because it's like, sometimes grades get so important that if you mess up once, like you kind of screw up your whole future. I mean, in the case of me, if I had not gotten a good grade in that science class, I couldn't get into the high school I wanted to get into. So the fact that he saved me on that project, like, affected my whole career it should not be that way right and that's why if you have an elementary schooler right now it is the best time for them to fail where it doesn't affect their future right because i know we all run into this as parents we all think that every grade really really matters and if my kid is getting not all a's that they're failing Mm -hmm. or that they're just not living up to the potential that i know that they can do but Mm -hmm. do realize that they can get a bad grade on an assignment or two or three, Mm -hmm. they can get a bad grade for a quarter even in elementary school and a lot of times even in middle school and it'll still be okay. This is the best time for your kids to harness and learn these skills Mm -hmm. and also learn the, the pain or tings, we'll say, of failure. Yeah, so you're not like doing an eighth grade science project all on your own. Oh, I know. Nothing makes you more bitter than that. No, (laughs) but if you're in that situation now and you do have a middle schooler and you're worried about their future, we have a solution for you. And this will work for elementary schoolers as well. It's just to teach them the project planning steps. Right. And we have three easy Mm -hmm. steps for you to, to start thinking about and working on with your kids to help them focus laser focus on these big tasks so that they're actually manageable. Yes. And going through these steps, if you think, oh my gosh, like my kid will never listen to me through this. Well, there's a solution for that as well, because these actually follow the steps that we teach in Not So Bummer Summer, which is a no guilt mom course for kids that teaches kids how to find a project that they want to do during like school breaks or off times and then plan to accomplish that project. So it's great to do something like this during the summer because it's a great time to really cement those skills before then the school year comes and they can then apply them to other big projects. Right. And if it's something that you want to do at this point in time, like right now, or your child's like working on focusing, Mm -hmm. the dot planner helps a lot with that. The dot planner is great as well for middle schoolers. But hey, all, it is Joanne and Bree here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. 
We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool aunt that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Here we go. First step. When you get a big project... You got a brain dump. Okay. And we do this actually every week at No Guilt Mom. We brain dump. Oh my gosh. And I got to admit, the first time you had me do it, I thought that you were kind of a little crazy. Really? Yeah. I was like, okay. What do you think about it now? Well, it's easier now. I will. So like, so let me just start with, uh, well, okay, let's tell them what a brain dump is. So a brain dump is just like empty, literally emptying your brain onto paper. So every thought that's in your head, every to do that, like you think you need to get done, it's writing it all down. Right. And so you might be asking yourself, Brie, why did that seem a little crazy to you? I don't know, because I wrote three things down and I was done. Joanne had like a whole paper full. Whole pit because it takes some practice to figure out what actually is in your head and right. what you're actually thinking you have to do. And that's what my point is, is that in the beginning I was filtering in my head. And I feel like our kids do that a lot too. Mm-hmm. When you're asking them, like, so like again, if it's a project that's been assigned, they tend to say, I don't know, I don't know. And they write down like just I gotta do my science project. So sometimes with that you have to take them back through like what are the steps? Because there's always a syllabus, even in elementary yeah. school. There's a syllabus where the teacher sent something with the outline of it. Or how they'll be graded. They have a rubric. Right. Or the rubric. So that can help be your guide if it's a project in school. But if it's like where you're trying to come up with something for them to do for the summer, like just it's okay. There's no bad idea. Write down anything and everything you want to do. Just even outrageous out. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's like go to Legoland and or go to Disneyland and do Legoland or Disneyland still closed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not happening, but you can write it down because again, it'll lead to more things. It'll lead. Yeah. It'll definitely lead to more things. And once you start writing one down, it like sparks 
what's something else that connects to that that you have to do first or second or so it helps. So setting a timer to do the brain dump is also helpful because you're like, okay, just for 10 minutes, I'm going to write down everything. And it doesn't matter what it is or how silly it is. I'm just going to write it down. And if you hate timers like I do, I use music. Mm -hmm. One song, two songs. (laughs) So after you do your brain dump, then it's time to prioritize. Ooh, I like this part because this is where I get to start bringing in colors and cute things. <laughs> yes, because when you see all your lists, like when you do your brain dump spree, does everything like have the same priority? No, no. There's things that have to be done. There's things that could be done. And there's things that really, it's pie in the sky. I call it pie in the sky because I'm like, yeah, as if there were more than 24 hours in a day, then Mm -hmm. I could get all that stuff done. Yeah. So when you prioritize, you really want to find, and I call them milestones. You find your project milestones. So like in the example of the poem book that I did, like a milestone would have been like, have the Sinquain written or have the haiku written. And then maybe an ending milestone would be like, bind the book. (laughs) Draw a cover, like all those things. Yeah, for sure. And then once you have your milestones, you can go into the third part, which is plan it out by working backwards. Now, planning backwards sounds scary. Yeah. (laughs) And planning can be a scary word as well. Like, I don't know about you, but like I was so resistant to planning when I was a kid. Yeah. You can't tell me what to do, man. No. And you would like look at planning and you're like, wait, it just takes like unnecessary time. I don't like want to take that much time. So I'm just going to skip the planning and then I'll get everything done faster. And it doesn't work that way. No, no, it doth not. No, it doesn't. No. So when you plan by working backward, it's when you look at your due date and then you work backwards from your due date to figure out exactly which milestones need to be done each week. Right. Because you need to help break it down into pieces that you are comfortable with Mm -hmm. that don't give you heart racing heart stomach aches and huge anxiety trying to figure out how to do it and we and we are talking about your kids but you know get a little side note this stuff works for you too as as a parent it totally does it works <laughs> in like work stuff or it works in any big projects that you have like with your family or at home uh, but after you plan it out and after your kids plan it out and just seeing it on paper and seeing how much you actually have to get done to have this project completed it like flips a switch in your brain all of a sudden things become more urgent Right. And they also become less overwhelming. Like, mm-hmm. again, I ha- I tend to be that whole head in the sand kind of person where I see something big, it overwhelms me. I just take a step back and pretend like I don't see it so that I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, not the best coping mechanism, people. <laughs> but when you are able to put it out, and that's funny about us because, Joanne, you're really big on making sure that we use this system and planning things out. And it does make it a heck of a lot less scary. It makes it a lot more manageable where you go, oh, okay. I don't have to have everything done, you know, by the 23rd. I just have to have this done by the 10th and then Mm -hmm. this done by the 15th. And it just becomes a lot more manageable and it's a lot less intimidating. Yeah, it's a lot less anxiety provoking too, because also if you're one of those people who tends to procrastinate because it's too overwhelming. Uh, Guilty. (laughs) Now you have that task in front of you that you're like, oh my gosh, if I procrastinate on this, then I have like two things or three things to do the next week and it keeps piling up. So it puts that time pressure on you as well. That's what I was going to say. So like for those of us that are like me that are procrastinators and that time pressure is what can kind of motivate you, at least the time pressure, you get it on a regular basis, like regular little tiny doses for one little project, one little step, and then you're able to go forward with it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So those are the three steps for long-term planning. Like, Oh, and I just thought of another great thing with it too. Yes. Right. So when you're putting stuff on the calendar for little steps, so like, again, I'm thinking about this as from my mom hat. If my kid has a big project and he has things on the calendar, I don't have to nag him. Yeah. No. I can just, I can walk over to the calendar myself mm-hmm. for the day and go, oh, look at this, what we have going, what did, what do we have going on today? You know, and I could either say it aloud, I could have my kid look at it, whatever, and be like, oh yeah, there's my piece. And I'm not the one who's having to manage it. I'm not the one who's having to nag, it, nag him about it. And I'm not the one who feels like I'm responsible for it all. Yeah, because they've already put their plan into place and hopefully he'll follow it. And it's also helpful because I, I like go around it like in a sneaky way. So I won't ask my kids what they have to do today. I'll be uh-huh. like, what can I help you with today? What do you need help on? And usually they'll be like, well, my daughter, because she's in seventh grade, my son does not use this yet. He's a second grader. But she'll be like, oh, I have to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And she's, I'm like, okay, well, do you, um, do you, and by help, I do not mean help with the schoolwork. I mean help with, uh, do you want to stay home while I do errands? Uh, do you want me to make sure we're quiet upstairs? Like those kind of help, not like help with the schoolwork. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And that's a whole nother episode talking yes. about expectations and communication. But yeah, so it, that's interesting. So what would you do if your kid goes, oh, I don't have anything to do today. And you know darn well there's something on that calendar. Would um, you sneakily like go over to the calendar and be like, okay, well, I was just curious because I thought I saw this on the calendar, but maybe I'm wrong. I wouldn't. You wouldn't. No, I would I would let them experience the natural consequences of not getting that done. Joanne's so much better at this than I am. Well, it's like No, you're right. In my brain, I know that I shouldn't. It's the fear. But, like Man, I need that duct tape from last week. Yes. <laughs> they need to experience that fear being like that, oh crap, I forgot something. Because it is only that that will have them remember it in the future. Right. But if I'm there to remind them, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be reminding for the rest of my life and that just does not sound appealing to me. Right. <laughs> Right. No, it does not. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. 
And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. No. So so the amazing thing about trying these three steps, doing the brain dump mm-hmm. or brainstorming, right? And then learning how to prioritize what tasks need to be done first, second, third, what's most important, what has absolutely nothing to do with the project at mm-hmm. hand, and then planning it backwards. The amount of confidence and self-esteem that that can give your child and you know what? If you're doing it for you and for you, yeah. that you got a big project done with less stress, you were capable, you do have the life skills to do it. That's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And I know that one of the huge objections is going to be like, oh my gosh, if I don't remind my child, they won't do anything. Like they won't do anything. Let them have that book of poems. Yeah. <laughs> Let them That's have what I say. that book of poems <laughs> where they are so like humiliated. And you're like, my child just isn't humiliated. Like nothing will embarrass them. Oh, yes, there will be. Something will. Something will. And it's one of those things where like you've tried it this way for so long. You are so tired and so fit up. Let's try it a different way. Let's try it by stepping back and giving them the responsibility. Because once they go through like steps like this and they have that experience planning out, you know what? This is another good point because they might not do it the same way you do. Right. And it's okay that they find their own method that works for them. It's okay. Like in our homework 911 course, I know a lot of the things that parents write to us about and something that I hear a lot is like, oh my gosh, they just won't do it. They won't follow the directions the correct way. I'm here to tell you there's no correct way. There's no, because you could teach someone something. It is up to them to use it. We cannot make them use it. And usually when you teach them, some people internalize it in their brains and they don't need to write it down, but they are working with that idea of what works and what may not. And maybe they just need a little more experience of that, experiencing that failure, experiencing what happens when, you know, my parents aren't there to remind me and to nag me all the time. And having that like horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach. Oh God, yes. Yeah, they need that before they're like, hmm, well, this way isn't working. I need to try it another way. Right, problem solving skills because they don't learn how to problem solve when we're holding their hand. Yeah, because you know what's working for them right now? Mom and dad reminding them all the time because they're always getting their work done. And last time I checked, I'm not going to college with my kid and I'm Mm -hmm. not going to live with them the rest of their life. Please, dear God, don't let them be at home the rest of their life. Yeah, I know. I don't want them in my house for my whole life. I want to see them grow and do beautiful things. Yes. So excuse me if I'm a little tough right now, but I am seeing this is the difference between the relationship that you have with your kids right now, where it's fighting and nagging and reminding, and the relationship that you want, which is cooperation and mutual respect. Like this is it. This is the stopping of the nagging and the reminding and letting them experience those natural consequences. And this will help you have that relationship with your kids. Yes. So you have got this, guys. You have got this. You can do this. It is so scary. But know that we are always here yeah, to help if, you out. If you need help, again, we have a couple programs that do help with this. If it's something that, you know, you feel like it could be better coming from not you. Yes. Right? We have our Not So Bummer Summer and the Dot Planner. So we're going to have those links in the show notes for you guys so that you can look at those and see if that's something that'd be helpful too. Yeah. So until next time, remember the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you and we'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. 
it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.